Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just so grateful to be with you in the presence of all of you in the presence of God today. And I want to start by just sharing this truth of my life that when I was younger, I wish I had glasses. Everyone in my family and every single picture, they all wore glasses except for me. And I felt left out. I was like, why don't I have glasses? Why, why, why can't I be like the rest of you? And then I'd look in the mirror, and, and something I realized you can't say, but I'll say, I have a pretty stupid-looking face. I mean, that's the reality of it. Ask our creative team, they're like, we, we can't take a good picture. Your face is always just weird and stupid-looking. So I was like, if I have glasses, then I'll look smarter. Then I'll look intelligent. And so I couldn't get glasses because I realized why people get glasses because they don't see clearly. So I manipulated my family. I convinced my stepmom that I couldn't read signs and I couldn't read the book and I couldn't read what was ahead. So she's like, oh my goodness, you really can't see. Let's take you to an optometrist. And I went to an optometrist. They did all the testing. And at the conclusion of it, he sits me down with my stepmom and says, young man, you have perfect vision. You don't need glasses. I was like, no, but I need them. No, no, you don't need them. You have perfect vision. And all my plans of looking intelligent were crushed that day because of my stinking perfect vision. And today I, I still have perfect vision. And listen, I'm not bragging for all of you who are optically inclined, okay? Um, I have perfect vision today. My hearing has gone. My knees hurt a little bit now that I'm 40. But my vision is still perfect. But here's what I've understood, even though I have perfect vision. I don't always see clearly. I don't always see clearly, even though my vision is perfect. Today, I want to talk about vision. Today, as we conclude this series, talking about release, I want to paint a picture of what the rest of 2022 can look like. I want to paint a picture of God's preferred future, the vision he has for this church, because vision is important. It's important to make vision clear, because if our vision is not clear, oftentimes it's difficult to get to where we need to go. If we can't see clearly, sometimes we find ourselves what God wants us to get to. But even though today I want to make things clear, clear about our vision, how many of us know that sometimes we still can't see clearly even though we have perfect vision, right? Sometimes because something is in front of us or we're distracted and we're looking to the left and the right, even though our vision is clear, we don't get to where we need to go until we release those distractions. So I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about vision on this Vision Sunday as we conclude release. And the first thing I want you to know is this. Write this down. Our vision as a church is to create the perfect place for imperfect people. That's our vision as a church. You hear us say it often. If you have clear vision, you can look around and you can see that plastered in so many places here to, to create the perfect place for imperfect people. And if you've been part of this church familia for more than a few years before 2020, you may know that we had a very specific vision for the future. We put together a 25-year vision for the future of what we believe God wanted us to do to create the perfect place for imperfect people. We believe that God gave us a vision to maximize the 10 acres that we're on so that we can reach up to 5,000 people here in person. And then from that point over the next 25 years, 
We had a vision to reach 25,000 people in our local community in person, with pastors in person to shepherd and care and coach other people. We had a 25-year vision to reach 25,000 people here in South Florida. We had a 25-year vision, and we have a 25-year vision to reach 250,000 people through technology and not just reach them, but connect with them in community, to have online groups, to have online teaching, have online coaching. Not only that, we have a 25-year vision for the future to give away $25 million to like-minded ministries and churches in our local community and church plants across the United States. And ultimately, by the end of this 25-year vision, starting in 2020, when I'm 65 and I retire, in Jesus' name, or before that, we have a vision to create a 25-acre city center. The Bible talks about a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. It's, it's a light shining in the darkness. Don't think of it as a 25-acre massive church, but, but a retail property where people come in the community to connect and to engage in life, but we use it as a source of ministry so that single parents can come and they may not have the resource to clothe and to feed their children because of the retail shops are partnering with us. We can bless those families with warm jackets that they need on a day like today or a hot meal where elderly couples can come and get some of their medical needs taken care of or their tires rotated or their oil change and, and for, for young people in our local community where they can come and they don't have to wonder what they're going to do after school, but they could be mentored. They could be taught some real practical life lessons of creativity and production and photography and be discipled. We have this 25-year vision for the future because people matter to God and people will matter to us. And if you've been here for some time, you know we've always said we're not going to wait until we get there to start doing it, we're not gonna wait until we have $25 million to give away. We said last year, we have 100,000, let's give away 100,000. Why is that? Because this is where mission and vision intersect. Talk about vision today, but I also wanna talk about mission. I want you to write this down. The vision of who we hope to be one day starts by living out our mission today. Now, I know I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable, but it makes sense. It rhymes. The vision of who we hope to be one day starts by living out our mission today. Today. And listen, this isn't just for us as a community of faith. This is for us as children of God. We, we shouldn't wait until we're in a position to do what we want to do. We should start doing it now. Because a vision, listen to this for some of you, you have a vision for the future, but you're not doing anything with it today, so it's just a daydream. We're not gonna wait until we get to our vision to live out the mission. This is where vision and mission intersect. We're gonna live out our mission, and this is what's gonna help us get to the place of vision. Does that make sense? So I wanna talk about our mission. Here's our mission for our church. Our mission is to connect people to Jesus and one another. This is why we exist as a church, to connect people to Jesus, the source of life, the source of hope, and to one another because we are created not to be alone. And again, this is our mission for our church, but this should also be the mission of everybody's lives because Jesus says, you want to know what's the most important commandment if you're keeping track? It's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and might. And the second is equally as important, to love your neighbor as yourself, to love God and to love 
people. This is where we get our mission as a church. This is what we should be doing as the people of God. And it's very clear, isn't it? Jesus makes it so clear. All 600 plus of the commandments boil down to two, love God and love people. It can't be any more clear. But even though it's clear, how many of us know it's not easy? It's not easy to love God with all of who I am. Because part of who I am wants to love my team. Part of who I am wants to love this food and to love my neighbor as myself. I don't even like my neighbor. How am I going to love them? And who is my neighbor? And like I said last week, the reason why so many of us, we don't see growth is because we don't feel like doing it. The same is true when it comes to mission and vision. The reason why so many of us don't get to the place of God's preferred future for us is because we don't feel like living out the mission to get to that vision. So today, I wanna look at Luke chapter nine. You can flip your Bibles there, follow along on the screen or the app. And I wanna look at three specific interactions that Jesus has with his disciples to help us understand on this Vision Sunday in our year of release of what God has in store for us. And I wanna preface it by giving the context of where we are in Luke chapter nine. This is a pivotal part in Luke's writing. Jesus just lays hands on his disciples, commissioning them, empowering them, giving them power to go out to love and to heal. And he says, I want you to follow my example and I want you to live it out yourselves. And then immediately after that, he chooses three disciples, Peter, James, and John, to go on top of a mountain with him to pray and prepare. And while they're up there, Jesus starts glowing and all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah pop out in like maybe some sort of like Jedi sort of mist or whatever. They're amazed. They're like, Jesus is glowing. There's the dead prophet. There's the father. What, what is going on right here? All the while on the bottom of the mountain, the remainder nine disciples are doing dumb things. They're messing things up. They just got this power to go out and love and save and heal. And someone comes up to them and says, my son, he's sick. And he's been suffering with demonic oppression in his life. Can you set him free? And they basically tell him, ah, uh, Jesus isn't here. Sorry, call back soon, come again. And it's at that moment, Jesus and the other three disciples are coming down the mountain. The man sees him. He runs to Jesus. I tried to get your disciples to, to do this. They could not do it. Can you heal my son? And at a word, Jesus heals him and the demon leaves his life. And Jesus gives this lesson because his disciples were, were like, it was that easy? How did that happen? And we're going to talk about this in about six weeks as we head to Easter. But Jesus says, this doesn't happen unless there is prayer and fasting to release what we hold on to and to have God's presence released upon us in, in supernatural and significant ways. So all this happens, and then we find ourselves here. Luke 9, 46, it says this. It says, an argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. Say greatest. greatest. They're wondering who's the greatest. After all this significant spiritual things happen, now these men are acting like boys. They're pulling out their cell phones, comparing who has more followers, who is trending with the hashtag goat? 
greatest of all time. And you can imagine Peter, James, and John, they didn't mess up like the other disciples. They have more to brag about. You guys can cast out the demon. Well, uh, this says a whole lot about you. I know we can't talk about what happened to us, but when we were up on the mountain, we saw Jesus glowing. How about that? And, and I know we talk about Moses and Elijah. We actually saw him. God is autograph. Oh, that's just us. They're, they're debating which one of them is greatest. In verse 47, Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, he took a child and put him by his side and said to them, whoever receives his child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me, for he who is least among you all is the one who is great. He who is the least is the greatest. And then we go on to the next scene, Luke 9, 49. John answered, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. Jesus, we saw this guy trying to do what you empowered and commissioned us to do and we said, buddy, you need to chill. Cease and desist, okay? You're not part of us. We're, we're JC and the boys, YouTube us. We're pretty popular, okay? We're verified on, on TikTok and Instagram, but you're not us. You're not part of the crew. This is not your territory. You need to stop. Jesus said to him in verse 50, do not stop him for the one who is not against you is for you. Next scene, verse 51. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went in and entered the village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. Jesus and his 12 disciples, they are going to Jerusalem for the specific purpose for Jesus to die for our sins. And Jesus makes it an intentional decision to go through Samaria. Now you need to understand the disciples would not have gone through Samaria because there are Samaritans in Samaria. And Samaritans were half-blooded, half-Jews who were not honored in that community. Righteous Jewish people would not have talked to them commingled with them, purchased their products, but yet Jesus intentionally chooses to go through Samaria. And wouldn't you know, when he sends a messenger, the people don't welcome him. They think he must be judgmental like most of the other Jews that they have met in their lifetime. They said, you're not welcome here, Jesus. And the disciples are furious. They're angry. What do you mean Jesus isn't welcome? Do you know who he is? Do you know what he's done? He's drug us here with you to be here in your presence and you're not gonna accept him? And I want you to hear this, okay? See if you catch something. And when disciples James and John, two who went up on the mountain with Jesus and saw him glow and transfigured in front of Moses and Elijah, when James and John saw it, they said, listen to this, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? They're not welcoming you, Jesus. We got a plan. We're going to kill them for you. This happened. You gave us power. Let's use this power to cause pain on these people. Let's end their lives, burn up their homes, the women, the children, everybody. Let's wipe out Samaria for you, Jesus. How does that plan sound? 
Verse 55, but he turned and rebuked them. Another translation says he speaks to them, you don't know what spirit you're from. You've been with me, you've walked with me, you've seen how I've laid down my life for those that I love. I didn't come to condemn them. I didn't come to kill them. I've come to set them free. I've come to save them. You don't know what spirit you are from. An interesting interaction. And then we have one more, final scene. Three guys, they come to Jesus wanting to follow him. Listen to how he responds, verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Verse 59. To another he said, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. I got to kiss my wife and my kids and say goodbye to everyone. Jesus looked at him and says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What is going on? Like, is this just a bad day for Jesus and the 12 disciples? What is the message he's trying to communicate in this whole messy situation? What's he trying to teach us? It's important to understand that because in the next chapter, in Luke chapter 10, we see Jesus intentionally growing his church. They go from 12 to 84. He intentionally grows them by a specific number. But before all of this takes place, we have these scenes playing out before us. Again, this is the intersection of vision and mission. See, the vision of the local church to create the perfect place for imperfect people is nothing if we don't live out the mission God has given us. The vision for growth over the next several years or 25 years will never come to pass if we miss what's most important. And I know this is strange coming from a pastor, especially from me, who's communicated perfect vision over the past several years. But what is most important is not bigger churches and larger facilities and the applause of your peers. But I have been distracted by those things far too often than I care to admit. And it wasn't until I learned to release them that I understood what was most important. I had to release these things that I held on to, to relearn what was most important when it comes to vision, and that is mission. See, when these disciples were arguing, which one of us is the greatest? Which one of us is the best? Who's gonna sit on your right and your left? Who's the one that you're gonna bring to the Emmys with you? Who's the one that everyone's gonna know? They're gonna say, Jesus, and, and who else? Because there's 12 of us. No one's gonna remember 12 names. Who is it, Jesus? What was Jesus trying to teach them? I want you to write this down, because this is for us today as well. Write this down. My mission, say my mission. My mission is to love one another in here. My mission is to love one another in here, to love each other, to connect with other people in here. If we are connected to Jesus, our mission should be to connect with one another as well. Jesus makes that clear, but it's not always easy, is it? Especially in 
here. I could, I could talk for hours about all the heavy grudges I've heard Christians hold against each other. It's so much easier to forgive people out there than it is people in here or people in our family. And I've heard countless stories of, do they not know who I am and they, they would treat me like that? Like, this is my seat in the church. I always sit there. And then I come this morning and someone else is sitting there. I say, excuse me, this is my church. And they look at me and say, is your name written? Uh, they offended me. And now, I mean, that's a lighthearted one. I can't get in some of the, the heavier ones. But now these people, they don't want to be seen by the other people now that they find another service time or say, you know what, Pastor Eric? I'm going to find another church because the people in here are imperfect. Well, duh, what did you expect? It's clear, but it's not easy. And Jesus said, the world will know that you follow me, not by your position over people, not how long your tenure has been in the church, not the platform you share. They will know that you follow me by your love for one another in here. He was talking about inside the church. He makes it clear, but it's not easy, is it? While the people were butting heads with, with a group of other followers, other people of the way, other people of faith, what was Jesus trying to teach them? My mission, say my mission again. This isn't just a vision, mission of our church. This should be the mission of our lives as Christ's followers. My mission is to love one another in here and where? And out there. It's to love people in here and out there. You can't do that. We're in the city of Davy. You're from a different city. You can't wear your, your shirts in our mall. You can't put your sign up on our roads. This is, this is our territory. Jesus is something radical. Too many of us, we have been in a place where if someone is not with us or for us or part of us, if they're not wearing our church t-shirts, if they don't have our church bumper sticker, if they don't come to our church, they're against us. They're the enemy. They're that church. And Jesus says something radical. He says, those who are not against us, guess what? They're for us. We're called to love people in here and out there. We're called to see other churches in our local community as an extension of what God wants to do in this city. We're not meant to compete with other churches. We're meant to complete them. Are we willing to encourage and to lift up and to bless other churches? Are we gonna see them as our competition? See, we draw so many lines, so many lines that Jesus never drew. And some of us, we're going to be really surprised when we get to heaven and we're like, oh, those people from that church are here. That's interesting. I didn't think they were going to make it. And we draw these lines of who preaches better and which church is bigger and what's their theology like. And we'll find out in heaven that I'm not saying none of it, but a lot of it won't matter. Woman preachers, 
won't matter in heaven. How you do communion won't matter in heaven. What you believe about baptism is sprinkling or dunkling won't matter in heaven. You know why? Because we have one God. He's made one way, one truth, one life. His name is Jesus. We all enter through him and everything else is secondary. We're part of the same team with the same mission, but so many of us draw lines and say, no, no, you're against us. Jesus is making it very, very clear what the vision is, but will we live it out in mission or will we snark when we see their sign or, or their, their billboard or their bumper sticker or someone wearing their shirt in our neighborhood? No, no, you're my neighbor. Come to my church. That's not the heart of the heavenly father. What's the lesson he's trying to teach us? As they are plotting and planning to send down fire from heaven upon people who disagree with them. What was Jesus trying to teach them? Here it is. My mission is to love one another in here, out there, and love other people who don't love me. To love other people who don't love me. To love other people who misunderstand me. To love other people who don't like me based off of who I voted for. To love other people who don't see eye to eye with me and then leave passive aggressive comments on my social media because we are not the same or come from the same. But to love other people that don't believe as we do. It's clear. It is not easy. I get it. And Jesus says, I want you to do it because I've done it for you. But because all we do is talk about what Jesus has done and we haven't experienced it and embraced it for ourselves, what it becomes is duty instead of our delight. This is our mission, to love other people in here, to encourage, to bless, to be in community intentionally, to love other people out there. They're not against us. They're for us. We're part of the same kingdom. We have the same savior we want to point people to. And the people who disagree with us too many times we want to prove a point instead of pointing them to Jesus. Are we willing to release our pride of being right online all the time and just love people? By love, I don't mean, you know, you say nice things to them and bake them cakes. Real love cares about someone's eternity, therefore points them to Jesus but Jesus says to do it in love. Instead, we have so many people fighting with people who don't believe like us and we push them further away. That's the message. That's the mission. Turn to someone next to you, tell them, just love them. Just love, say, I love you and I love them even if they don't love me. And then we have this last scene, right? Foxes and birds, funerals and farming. What's this about? Jesus is saying, do it now. Don't just say that was good. Do it now. You, you can't wait until you're in a position to start doing it to do it. Do it now. Don't wait till you get to the place where you think I've made it now to do it. Do it now. Love people. Love them, serve them, point them to Jesus. Do it now. Make the decision in your mind today and your life will follow. Do it now. And some of you are like, well, how do we do that? You know how hard it is to love people who don't love me? Like it's, it's hard enough to love people who like me a lot because they're annoying. 
Oh, Eric, you're so handsome. Oh, Eric, you're so far. No one says that to me in my life. <laughs> and now I'm mad. And now, because they don't love me, of course I'm not gonna love. You don't think I'm handsome? You think I have a stupid face? I said you couldn't say that, only I could say it. You know how hard it is to love people? How do we do that? Here's what I want you to hear, okay? Everything we've talked about in release over the past several weeks is resolved in this one thing, okay? This is the crux. This is the linchpin. Everything we've talked about of how to release resolves itself in this one thing. Embrace. We embrace to release. We need to learn to embrace so that we can release. See, our, our vision for what was next for the local church our 25-year vision still is a God-sized vision, still is something we believe God is going to do. It's a God-sized vision, but it's never been about property. It's always been about people, to connect people to Jesus and one another, to love God and to love people. And we've done that together. You're passionate about people. You invite your friends. You, you share online. You, you live local and you love local. So much to the degree that in 2020, we talked about in the beginning of 2020, we were recognized as one of the top 100 fastest growing churches in the country by Outreach Magazine. And we are celebrating and we are excited about that. And so we had to come up with a plan to increase the capacity to reach more people. And it was a beautiful plan. And it was a plan that 262 families got behind to give to what was next so that we could build and expand to reach 5,000 people or to begin this 25-year vision. And then halfway through it, COVID hit. And it seemingly stopped the plan because people stopped coming, people stopped serving, people stopped giving, but the need didn't stop. How many of us know that the need actually got more significant? People weren't just hurting, they were literally hungry. They needed help because they had no job or resources anymore. And so now in, in, in this COVID world, it was this, this dance of trying to, to execute on the plan while still trying to serve people with limited resources, but we still have this plan for the future that people are expecting to come to pass at the end of this year. And the giving decreased, and we were only able to raise half of our target goal. On top of that, banks were now leery to lending out large sums of money in the midst of everything that was going on. On top of that, contractors, for, for a lot of the construction costs, they were literally quadrupled and the timeline was tripled. And so all the while, I'm thinking, man, if we don't execute the plan as we said we would, then we, then I will have failed as a pastor. I talked about it a lot last year. It really affected my mental health. I put all this pressure on myself to execute the plan perfectly. And when I couldn't, I, I wanted to give up. I literally wanted to quit and to give up. I just wanted to stop doing what I was doing because there's so much pressure. 
the pressure in here with all the expectations people had on me as a pastor, with all the political divide out there that creeped in here. And I'll be honest with you, there was times where I wanted to pray to call down fire on some people. Jesus was like, you don't know what spirit you're from. I know, Lord, but I know I want them dead. <laughs> Whoa, did I say that out loud? Perfect place for imperfect people. That was a reality. That was a place I was in because I missed it. I confused the plan for the vision. I flipped them around and thought that the plan took priority over the vision. And because I didn't know how to release the plans and the blueprints and the timelines and the balance sheets, I kept on holding on to all of this pressure to execute the plan instead of live out the mission. Until I embraced. We have to learn to embrace, to release. Here's a final big idea I want you to understand today. And this is not just for today. This is for us going forward in the future from this point forward. Write this down. Embracing the presence of God is all we'll ever need. Let me say it again. Some of you didn't hear that. Embracing the presence of God. You're looking for satisfaction. You're looking for hope. Embracing the presence of God is all we'll ever need in this life. We find all we need in him. Nothing else will do. Listen, the summer and the spring of 2020 was the darkest season of my life. I struggled with crippling depression. And by the grace of God and the love of my family, I was encouraged to let go of everything that I was holding on to, to look up to God. And, and when I did that, can I, can I tell you everything changed? I don't say that lightly. I mean, everything changed when I released all that I was holding on to, to God. My prayer for you as a church changed. I didn't pray for you for two months. I didn't. I didn't sound weird. I didn't even pray for my family for some time because I was just enraptured by the presence of God. I had been in his presence and I found that that's all I needed and it, it, it literally helped me let go of everything else. Because <laughs> in his presence, I understood and I relearned that I have no control over a single thing on this planet except my response. And my response was, God, I'm surrendering. I'm letting go to you. And when I did that, I found the one again who controls everything. And in his presence, I was so surrendered, I forgot about everything else and was just enraptured by his love and his word for me that it, it put me in the best health that I've ever been in up until that point, until now. And my passion for people, I've been saying the past few weeks, I love people. I don't like being around people, but being in God's presence helped me to love people even more and to even like them. I didn't feel forced anymore to connect in community. I didn't feel forced to, to, to love my neighbors or to bless my servers 
Being in his presence made that just a natural part of what I did because it's who he is and I was engulfed in that. Embracing the presence of God is all we'll ever need. And because of that, I have more clarity for the vision that God wants to produce in this church and ever before. That's what I want our church family to know. That's what I want us to understand today. So here's what I wanna do in the next few moments we have left. I wanna paint a picture, give a vision for the rest of our year of release. I wanna paint a picture of what I believe God can do in us, this 22, if we let go and let God go and do what he wants to do. Here it is. Here's what we're gonna do this year. We're gonna embrace the presence of God. We're gonna share the good news. We're gonna clothe the needy, feed the hungry, and pray for the sick. We're gonna serve our community. We're gonna love our neighbors. We're gonna connect as familia. We're gonna disciple leaders. We're gonna train pastors. We're gonna plant new churches. And we're going to release the people of this church to live out what God wants them to do in their life through his ministry. Now, last service, they applauded when I said all that, but I realized it doesn't sound sexy, right? <laughs> That's the vision? Man, show us some, some renderings of expansion. I know it's not sounding as sexy or significant as building a building, but let me tell you, that is the most spiritually significant expansion we could ever be a part of. We're releasing the plans, but hear this, it doesn't mean we're not planning. We've made so many plans. Our architect, he either loves us or hates us at this point because we've had him do three renderings of what our plans have changed to become. And we're gonna build something someday, but until we build something even soon, we're not gonna forsake the mission. We're not going to let it come before. We're not going to let the plans dictate what we see God can do and distract us. We can make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. And so we want to stay in tandem in his presence. And we do that by embracing him. I'm excited for what God is going to do. And every opportunity that he gives to us, we're going to learn to embrace because we've released the plans that we had in our head so we can get the plans that God has for us. Amen. So what does that mean in here? Well, many of you, you graduated Connect Track and you've, you've identified and you've communicated that, man, there, there, there's so much more that I want to do, that I want to be a part of, that I want to give of my lives. And so we're in, expanding upon our discipleship process. And after Easter, after Connect Track, the next step after that is our ownership track. And that is going to be a six-week intense discipleship midweek where you engage with other people and we take a deep dive into the values that God has for all of his people. And and through that, that will help equip anyone who wants to be in a leadership position here to lead a group, to lead a team, to lead at your workplace, whatever that looks like. We're going to start that after Easter. And then in the fall, the third step of our connect track, of our growth track of what it means to disciple people here at the local church is our leadership track. 
And this is a very intensive six-month one-on-one discipleship with our pastors and our leaders here for anyone who feels a significant vocational calling to serve God in ministry. We're going to come alongside and, and, and pour out everything we know about loving people. And at the end of that, we'll feel that you have been equipped. If God calls you to lead somewhere, God calls you to take another step, or if God calls you to serve here on this team. But that's what's, that's what's happening in here. We're, we're getting better before we get bigger. We're going to disciple and release as God releases upon us so we can love and shepherd his people. What does it look like out there? Well, we're going to continue to do what we do. We're going to love and serve our local community. We're going to feed the hungry. We're, uh, next, next week, we'll explain to you our City Serve project for the month of February of a need that we can meet right here in our own backyard. It's exciting that we get to serve this, this, this impoverished community, and we're excited for that. But we're also, we're also going to continue to invest in planting other life-giving churches because in a 10-mile in a radius, there's a million people, and only 3% consider themselves followers of Jesus. So we need more churches. And we need more healthy churches. And last year, because of our partnership with the Association of Related Churches, they poured into us. They they poured and blessed our leaders. And and so we blessed them financially. We were able to partner to, to plant 64 churches last year in 2021 all across America. Just last week, we were able to be a part of launching a total of 1,000 churches over the past 20 years. And over the next 20 years, the focus is, is going to be on cities that have no churches in the immediate proximity. And we're excited for that. In fact, in two weeks, through the Excel Leadership Network, we're inviting pastors and pastors in training right here. And over the course of two days, we're going to love them. We're going to serve them. We're going to equip them. We're going to assess them and bless them and send them out and give them financial resources so that they could plant churches in Miami and in Cuba because people matter to God. Our local community matters to God and it matters to us. This is what it looks like. We're praying God, God increases generosity and God gives us an open door and, and we're going to see expansion and we're going to grow and as they're in need, we'll continue to expand. But the purpose is people. Final thing I want to share as our worship team comes out. Uh, about nine months ago, our CFO, Pastor Buddy Johnson, he uh, started having a Wednesday Bible study at Everglades Correctional Institute, uh, specifically at the, 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 the center where people are going to be released in the next several years. And so he began to have this Bible study. And over time, they started calling themselves Familia. He made it simple. He would just play the, the Sunday service and, and study the Bible. And then they got a banner. And then they start saying, hey, we're Familia. We're the local church. And so about three and a half months ago, four months ago, he says, we're going to have a night service. And, uh, you know, we'll try to get a band anytime we can get a band, but we'll, we'll, we'll play the entire service and they'll invite their friends. And I had the privilege this past Wednesday of being there. And 57 inmates showed up to this live service. Now, I... Sh- Everglades Correctional Familia, I shared this joke, you laughed, I'm going to say it again, pun intended, what a captive audience we had. But listen, more seriously, 
I have had the blessing and the humble opportunity to, to communicate God's word in so many different places. And I'm telling you, that was holy ground. I was in the presence of godly men. The worship in that place, even though they were imprisoned, was so free. And so we call them familia now. And I'm gonna go there often. And when I'm not there, Pastor Buddy's gonna be there and we'll build up a team and they'll have live worship or they'll watch the service online on Wednesday. But as God continues to give us any opportunity that helps to get us to our vision, we're gonna embrace it. Because it's not about our plans. You would ask me three years ago, do we have plans to, to go to prison on a Wednesday night? And to preach behind bars, I would say, no, we're, we're, we're gonna build an auditorium and love people in Davie. And God changed those plans and gave us this incredible opportunity to love and serve brothers behind bars. And any opportunity God gives us, we're gonna embrace because it's not about property, it's not about buildings, it's not about our plans, it's about people. And I can't wait to see what God continues to do in this church and through your lives. But, but maybe you're like me. Maybe you have been holding on to something that's been a distraction. And maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a God thing. Maybe God gave you a vision of something to see in your life and in your future. And you've been holding on to it like me that it's become an idol. And all you can see is that plan. And if the plan doesn't happen, if I don't have my husband, if I don't have that community, if I don't get that raise, then God, I've failed you or you are not with me. Today is a day of release. Today, we have the opportunity to give him everything. And I know when I say everything, that sounds terrifying and complicated. How do I give God everything? I can't even focus on my child who has ADHD. I don't know what my relationship with my spouse looks like because I screwed up my job. I don't know how I'm gonna make it. The, the, the refinance hasn't gone through. How do I give him everything? I can't even hold on to one thing. Simple. Give him the next thing. How do we give them everything? Start with the next. What's that thing that keeps you up at night? What's that thing you've been thinking about during this time? That thing that you have not solved yet? Let's start today by releasing that to him. On every single chair, there's a card that says release. And you can, in the seat back in front of you, grab a pen. And for the next minute, here's what I want you to do. Whatever that thing is, that next thing, I want you to write it down on that paper, okay? In just a few moments, as our worship team begins to lead us in the song of surrender, I want to challenge us to do something we haven't done in a significant amount of time, which is come forward and to drop those cards of release upon this stage. There's nothing supernatural or special about this, but what this is is a symbol for you that I'm taking a step of faith to let go of this thing that has held me captive. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.